How are you guys doing? Good. You're doing great. Wow. That was awesome. We have some enthusiasm in the place. That's great. How many of you guys were at Block Party? Most of you, right? It was pretty awesome, right? What did y'all do November 1st? School. Okay. Okay. How many of you guys turned on Christmas music? Because I'm not going to lie, I was, like, tempted. Can you guys throw that picture up? The funny picture. Oh, that's a white screen. Okay. We love our production team. I run production. It's a really hard job. I'm not going to lie. It's a lot. So it's not a big deal. So how many of you guys have seen, it's like a meme that's going around, and it has the elf, and he's like, ah! And then there's like November and December, and it's like all of November is like Christmas, and there's like three little three little days where it's like Thanksgiving, and then obviously December's Christmas. Has anyone seen that? Isn't it so funny? Okay, so that's what this I was just thinking about. Like, hey, we're going into November. We're getting into Thanksgiving season, and... Um, I just thought it was so fitting because, as most of you can guess, right, it's the end of the year. What are we going to talk about? For those of you been around, what do we talk about at the end of the year? Well, Jesus, that, that's great. But, like, we talk about Thanksgiving and Christmas, right? Right? And this, and this year, um, we're going to be framing these things from the upside-down kingdom because how many of you guys know God's kingdom looks nothing like this kingdom that we live in? Nothing, Right? And the principles that we live by can sometimes feel upside down, right? So we're going to be talking about the upside down kingdom over the next, um, actually for the rest of the year, we're going to talk about these upside down principles that feel upside down, which are actually right side up. And so um, I don't think it's any coincidence that we're going to be talking about Thanksgiving and not Thanksgiving as in the holiday, right? Not Thanksgiving with capital T, but a Thanksgiving like lowercase t dash Lowercase g. Do we have that? If you can put it back up. And there's a difference and there's a significance to that. Because especially in this culture that we live in today, it can be so easy where everything is instantaneous, right? You get popcorn, you throw it in the microwave, and three minutes later you have a snack, right? You post a picture, you get a like. Everything is instantaneous. And when everything is instantaneous, it's really hard. Oh, there it is. See? Yes. I mean, yeah, see? I thought that was funny. <laughs> but where everything can be so instantaneous can actually be really hard to maintain a healthy attitude of gratitude. <laughs> I'm funny, huh? <laughs> Are you guys, like, asleep? Laugh at me. Gosh. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> We're... It's really hard to remain grateful for what we have, especially when you look at social media and you see everyone else is perfect, right? There's a filter. It's edited. It's my best vacation. This is my favorite outfit. And then we take that and we compare it to our least. And then we end up dealing with jealousy. And then it's like, what do I even have to be grateful for? A lack of Thanksgiving, not the holiday, I want to make that very clear. I'm going to say Thanksgiving a lot tonight. I'm not talking about the holiday. I'm talking about the act of giving thanks. Lack, a lack in Thanksgiving can leave us with an entitled and cynical, doubting mindset that leaves us hopeless, lost, and confused. But God has a different plan, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So I'm going to take a drink of water. Because public speaking makes your mouth dry out, like, really bad. And we're going to go ahead and read 
We're going to read a lot of scripture up front. I promise, just bear with me. And it's important to me to tell this story. So we're going to read Acts 16, verses 16 through 34. And just like I said, we're going to read quite a chunk of scripture here, and then we're going to dive into it. So uh, follow along on the Sky Bible, or if you have your own Bible. um, And if you're taking notes, write that chunk down, Acts 16, verses 16 through 34. And it goes, once when they were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling, and she followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. And she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. And when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrate and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake, such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But then Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds, and then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Let's pray really quick. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this time that we have, for this, the word that you you have for us tonight, Father God. I pray that you would just help our hearts to be open, Father God. I pray that I would speak your words in your heart and your message tonight, Father. Help us to have a, a deeper understanding of who you are and um, your love for us, Father. We give you all the glory and the praise, and we love you in your name. Amen. So we're going to begin here. My first point is this. Thanksgiving is activated by faith. We have here two guys who were wrongfully imprisoned, right? Like, they were imprisoned for freeing someone from, from demonic possession, right? Like, does that seem like the wrong thing to be imprisoned for? Really what he was, they were imprisoned for was taking someone's prophet away, right? Because it was the men who, she was their prophet source. She was probably enslaved. We don't know that, but we can assume she was enslaved. So she was their income, and she was now freed, so they were upset. And in that time, I can't imagine that any of us would feel like worshiping God, right? Like, it's not fair. Why am I in this position? I'm sure Paul and Silas were sitting there with their, their, their legs shackled, There's, like, man, it's not even fair. All we did was help somebody. I don't think I would have felt like worshiping 
How many of you guys feel like you would have felt like worshiping? How many of you guys have ever been wronged and you get punished for it, right? It wasn't even your fault. Do you feel like praising God in those moments? No. But yet in this moment, we have Paul and Silas, who regardless of what they were feeling or experiencing, decided they were going to praise God anyways because they knew that God was in control. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, uh, Scripture tells us that faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. So though it's not explicitly written in the story, it's probably safe to assume that they had faith that God was going to do something one way or the other. They didn't know what that was going to look like, but they knew that God was going to do something. And so they praised him. Gratitude is activated by faith. It's believing, they believed what they knew about God over what they felt about God. And in that moment, God used that moment to move. It's like when you've made, you make a mistake, right? You actually do the wronging. You've hurt someone's feelings, you lie to your parents, and you ask for forgiveness. And of course, because our parents are amazing, they forgive you, right? How does that make you feel? You can yell it out. Good, right? What do you feel towards them? Your what? Gratitude. You're grateful, right? You're grateful that they would extend, yeah. You're grateful they would extend mercy and forgiveness even when you didn't deserve it, right? Our faith, our gratitude is activated by our faith. The next point I want to talk about is that Thanksgiving builds our trust in God. So we've already read the story, and we know that at the end that God, God did his miraculous wonder and they were freed, right? But he didn't just free Paul and Silas. He freed those around them. It's what's interesting is if you read anything about Roman culture, and Paul was a Roman, is that what had been done to him was not only unfair because he hadn't actually done anything wrong, but actually he was a Roman citizen, and with that came certain rights, rights that he should have never been imprisoned. Him and Silas never should have been imprisoned in the first place. So when you look at that from a societal level and a logical level, Paul and Silas never should have been there. But God knew the jailer was going to be there, and he knew the other prisoners were going to be there, and he knew the place that they were at. He knew that, j that jailer was frail. How many of you, like, he jumps from, like, oh, my gosh, they're gone to, like, I need to die. Like, that's a, that's a pretty fragile emotional spot to be, right? And obviously there was pressure from down above and all that stuff. But that's a really big leap to, to make. God knew that's where that jailer was at. And he knew he needed his boldest, his strongest, and his most trustworthy servants to be in the darkness with those people. Some of you might be in a spot tonight where you feel a burden for your school or your neighborhood. And you're sitting back and you're thinking, man, if I could just be friends with that person, I, I could maybe tell them about Jesus. Or maybe if I could just get in with that group of friends or be on that sports team, maybe I could have enough influence to lead them to Jesus. You think maybe if more people would just accept me and I could be more popular, Maybe I'd have more influence. But yet you still find yourself in a spot at the lunch table or at, in your classes where you're kind of next to the kids that like, would be considered like uncool. Or maybe, maybe they're kind of like no one knows them. Or maybe you feel like you're the one who's been outcasted because you've been the one sharing your faith or you don't fit in with everybody else. 
can I challenge you that maybe you're not there just for yourself, but God's actually put you in that spot to reach the people that you're around? That it's not about getting to the people at the top, it's actually about getting the people closest to you? God might actually have a purpose in what you're doing and where you're at. And you might be wondering, God, why, why can't I just get that? And he's like, I've already given you this. And you have influence here. So just, just sit with that. Um, Thanksgiving takes us to a place where we're a takes us to a place where we're able to recall what God's done in the past to believe what he's gonna do in the future. So you can, when you're sitting in those spots where you're like, "Mm, if I could just get there, but God's given you this, if you're, what, what God gives you in the little, trust me, those people are not little, right? That's a lot, that's a human life. Those are lives that God has given you access to. But what you feel like is little, if you are faithful in the little, he's gonna give you more. It starts with where you're at. Paul and Silas continued to praise God, and God came through. He shook the ground, and the doors flung open, and the chains broke off. Can I tell you that doesn't happen? Like, what normally happens in an earthquake? Things collapse, right? Do people survive being in the bottom of dungeons when things collapse? No. The doors flung wide open and the chains broke off. That was not just any ordinary earthquake. That was the Holy Spirit. That was an act of God. Strategically placed in that moment, ignited by their praise for a miracle to take place. Um, So I have this kind of funny story. Um, Young adults, if you were hanging out with us, you've already heard it. But um, Josh calls it the, the water bottle miracle. And last year, uh, during uh, the block party, I had done a trunk, and so I had, my my trunk was decorated, and we were cleaning up, and I had this water bottle, and I'd shut my trunk, and I'd put my water bottle on the um, bumper of my car, like the back of my car, and then I help clean up, and then we, we load up, and we get in the car, and we leave, and we get all the way home, which is like a whopping eight minutes from the block party, and we're unloading, and I'm like, Josh, where's my water bottle? And he's like, I don't know. I'm like, where's my water bottle? And of course, I'm freaking out because this is like so important, right? This water bottle has traveled to nine countries with me. This is like sentimental as all get out, okay? It's dumb, but it, it was sentimental. So I'm like, Josh, can we please go back and look? I think, I think I left it on my bumper, and I think I drove away. It's probably just in the grass. And he was like, yes, he was so sweet. He was like, I get it. And so he, he did, we drove back over by this point. All the lights were down. They were gone. I mean, this is like an hour ago. It was this big, big light-up party, and now we're literally in the dark. It is pitch black. Josh is following me around in his car with the headlights because I'm trying to find this stupid water bottle. And I remember walking around and like, God, help me find this water bottle. Help me find this water bottle. And I'm going, Macy, you're so stupid. It's just a water bottle. It's just a water bottle. And I remembered something my dad always told me when I was growing up. God cares about the small things, cares about where you're at, even if it feels silly. And so I was like, God, I know this is a dumb thing to pray for. <laughs> Can you help me find my water bottle? And so we keep searching the park. We go all around it. It's nowhere to be found. And I was like, okay, it's all right. It's fine. And so we pull out of the park, and we're rounding the corner onto Night Street, for those of you who know. 
and it's just a rounded part of this bend. And literally, out of the corner of my eye, I catch a flash. And I'm like, Josh, stop. And so he stopped, and I throw, I'm, I'm not, I was so excited. I threw the door open. I jumped out. I ran. I'm, like, shaking. I'm so excited. And sure enough, this water bottle was standing straight up and down next to the mailbox of this house on this corner. And I was like, God cares. It was just the smallest thing. It was silly, but it's something that even to this day, no matter what I'm going through, I'm like, he cared about my water bottle. He cares about what I'm doing right now. It reminded me, it doesn't matter how small and significant we may feel the things we are going through are. He cares, and he wants to be there for you. The last point is this, is that Thanksgiving creates the correct heart posture. Thanksgiving will keep you humble, it will keep your eyes on the giver of the gift, and it will always prepare your heart for what comes next. Paul and Silas had every right to leave. The prison doors were flung wide open, right? God had brought the miracle. He had brought the, the freedom and deliverance. But why didn't Paul and Silas leave? Because I know, I don't know about you, I definitely would have left. I'd been like, ooh, my chains are gone and the door is wide open. I'm going to leave. But they waited. And actually, all the other prisoners waited too. Like, isn't that wild? I don't know. That just flabbergasted me. I was like, wow. Like, not only did Paul and Silas wait, but the other prisoners waited too. And they were not the people of character that Paul and Silas were. And it made me think, why? Why would they all stay and wait? And I really believe it was this, is that the Holy Spirit in their praise was preparing them not only for their miracle, but for the next part, what was going to come after that. It wasn't just about them getting their miracle. There was a freedom and a spiritual awakening waiting to be happened in the whole of the jail, not just their cell. Have you guys ever been so mad at someone or at something that you can't hear what they're saying or anyone else? Yeah? I just, I'm hungry. Give me food. Casey, calm down. Hi. Josh is so sweet because I'll get really hangry sometimes. And he'll be like, it's okay. You just need food. I'm like, no, I don't. It's not. Okay, you're right. I need food. I think sometimes we can allow that anger and that frustration to actually get in our way of being sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing. We can be so angry and frustrated at our situation that we'll, we'll actually think we're even doing the right thing sometimes because we're like, this is what we've always done. This is just what we do. And we actually haven't taken the time to calm ourselves down to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying because he wants to do something new. He's not always gonna go back and do the same thing. He wants to do new things. And if we're not ready to listen and we're so frustrated and angry with where we're at, we might not be ready to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. But it was because Paul and Silas had their hearts in the right place, they experienced their own freedom, but also the people around them experienced physical freedom and a spiritual awakening. It's, see, this thing of thanksgiving is so much more than just being thankful. It's actually about keeping our heart in the right place. It's about remaining humbled, trusting, and having a faith that God will come through. And you might be looking at me tonight and be like, wow, Mace, that's really cool, being grateful. Yeah, that's cool. It's really easy when you have something to be grateful for. And really telling me that the, my parents fighting and the divorce we're facing is like part of God's plan. You're really telling me that my friends kind of stabbing me in the back is part of what you have for me. 
Are you really telling me that the depression and loneliness that I struggle with all the time is just part of what God has for me? Can I point you to a verse in Romans 8, verses 26 and 28? In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that all, in all things, God's work for the good, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. See, the kind of God that Paul and Silas were praising, the kind of God that I'm speaking about, the kind of God who makes that promise in Romans, and that is a promise. That's a promise in Romans. That's something that God is, is saying if, right, if you're called, if you love him. Can I give you a newsflash? You're definitely all called. And you might not be called to ministry, but that's not what called is. You're called to reach the world. We're called to make disciples. That doesn't matter what occupation you're headed for. That doesn't matter if you're a student, a little kid, an adult, an old person. You are called to make disciples and to reach the world with the gospel, period. Okay? So you're called, right? So that part's already established. Because the same God who can turn graves into gardens is the same God who can breathe life into a marriage that was dying and make it stronger than it ever was before. It's the same God that can take your anxiety and turn it off in an instant. We had a student a few years ago who was so full of anxiety. She was so anxious all the time. It was so hard for her to even make an or, like a phone order for food, like a pizza order. And it, it, it terrified her. She'd go into mad panic attacks. And she would pray and pray and ask God, give me freedom, give me freedom. And in one instance, in one worship service, she was healed. Like, I'm not even kidding. It was like that. And she stood up here a week later with a microphone in her hand declaring how God had given her freedom. That's the same God that I'm talking about right now. What makes a difference, though? I think, it, and I really believe, it's a heart that is positioned, that is humbled, with their eyes fixed on Jesus and praising him even in the storm. And I'm not saying that God, that God is a God of the storm, but he's a God who works in the storm. And he'll take a storm that makes you feel like your life is capsizing. And if you can, just for a moment, if you can say, God, I don't understand. God, I'm gonna praise you in the storm. God, thank you for my family. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for my pet. I don't know, whatever you're thankful for. And say, I know you're going to bring me through this. But even if you don't, and that is a really hard phrase because we so badly go, God, I, I'm, I know you're going to bring the breakthrough. But when the breakthrough is slow in coming, we can get tired. When the breakthrough doesn't come immediately, we can get exhausted. And we have to have an attitude and a posture that says, I'm going to praise you and I'm going to believe in you. But even if you don't come through the way that I want you to, I'm going to praise you. It's this kind of posture that will not only see you through the storm, like you'll make it, right? You won't end up on a beach like Jonah, and I imagine him to be stinky and covered in seaweed and <laughs> really nasty. But you'll actually end up smack dab in the middle of the miracle you've been praying for and most likely in a spot that you never even dreamed could exist. And it all starts with our heart. Your thanksgiving is not only necessary for you, but it's also necessary for those around you.
you guys were meant, we're not meant to stay where you're at. It's not all about just getting to the freedom or getting to the breakthrough or the miracle. You were meant to be sent, to be launched, and to go with a mission to reach others. Your freedom, your victory, and your miracle isn't just about you. It was meant to be a sign to the world to look, see what my, my God can do. Paul and Silas went from being unjustly imprisoned to changing the world for one person and his family. That's not nothing, but that's the power of gratitude. Worship team, if you guys want to come on up. Um, just in closing, I spent a lot of time tonight, obviously talking about the, the spiritual side of gratitude. But maybe some of you are skeptical because gratitude kind of feels, I don't know, like elementary. Like, yeah, I know, have an attitude of gratitude. I know, my parents always tell me grateful. There's kids in Africa that are starving. But can I tell you, and I love, I have an undergrad in psychology. I love studying the brain. And so I looked up uh, something uh, just to see. And there are studies on the brain that show the correlation between gratitude and the little phys, literal physiological effects it has on our body, like on, our, on our, the way our body functions. And they found in recent studies that those who practice daily gratitude find that there's a release of toxic emotions. They did a study on people who are healing from various things and they had one group journal what they were grateful for. And then they had another group journal just about the rough things in their life. And at the end of the, I think it was like a 30 day study. The group that was journaling about their, what they were grateful for was leaps ahead in recovery than the ones who had focused on the negative. It's also been shown to reduce pain, improve sleep quality, aid in stress management, greatly reduce the effects of depression and anxiety by invoking, this is where it gets crazy, positive thoughts, reduces fear and anxiety through regulating stress hormones. Gratitude is regulating hormones, okay? We're talking physiological impacts, not just on your heart, but in the way your body functions. Creates new neural wires and pathways to the bliss center of your brain. Do you know how long it takes for someone to create a new habit? It's not just like 21 days. It's like 90 days, especially the older you get. Gratitude creates new neural pathways, which is not just, that doesn't just happen. You have to intentionally be doing that. And it enhances serotonin and dopamine, which are neurotransmitters that are responsible for feeling happy. Some doctors have gone as far to say that gratitude is of equal, if not more, potency than any pharmaceutical drug on the market. And the research is conclusive that those who practice daily gratitude create permanent neural pathways that lead to overall higher quality of life over the temporary balances achieved with medication. Can I tell you, gratitude is not just like, oh, yay, it's elementary, be happy. No, there's an actual attitude that you build inside of yourself that when you decide to trust God and put your praise back, be grateful for what you have, be grateful for who he is in your life, be grateful that you know he's gonna work because God is gonna work. And we stake our, our faith in that. You can praise him for that all day long. It makes a difference. Thanksgiving has two parts. It's about praising God for all he's done, what he's given us, what he's done for us, but also about what he's going to do. And so tonight, I know we've all come in here with different things. We've come in here with pain, hurt, fear, depressions, 
depression, anxiety, confusion, and loneliness. But we're gonna go into a time of response. And I know it's not super normal for us, but I really felt like there was some very specific steps for us to take tonight. So I wanna challenge you. If you're walking through something difficult, whether that's internally, within your family, within you and your friends, to, to respond, to, to move out of your seat. It doesn't mean come up front, find a different seat, go to the back, I don't know. But move from where you're at as a sign that, hey, I'm taking a step of faith. I'm gonna believe God's gonna do something in my life right now. And if you need to, feel free to find a leader. Boys with boys, girls with girls, same with students. You're gonna find like genders to pray with. And I just want, there's four simple steps and there's gonna be some steps on the screen
and you are sovereign over. You have all the, all the might and all the power and all the authority to conquer every single thing, every obstacle that's represented in this room. God, I pray that you would reach each and every student where they're at. May we have an encounter with you tonight. Father, have your way as we just seek you. We love you and we praise you in your name.